and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Rubinoff with another terrible dance move. Yeah. Start the show. This is Tim and Friends. Apparently, one of them is Jesse Rubinoff for Monday, August 23rd, 2021. I'm Tim McAuliffe. And for the entire weekend, Blue Jays fans have been screaming at me to do this. So I'm just going to do it right off the top. For those who don't know, that's the panic button. Two times. Put you on the spot again. On camera. No dancing. Jesse Rubinoff. Got it. Yeah, that's panic. Given the way the weekend went down, most of those folks are not only saying it's too late for the panic button, not only are they off the bandwagon, but they are pissed. They are vexed, fuming. They've had it up to here. Their pay, days of paying dues are over. Acknowledge is in. Sorry, I went down a road of Tribe Called Quest. I know I'm supposed to be the rational one. I don't blame them in any way, shape, or form. The Jays picked a terrible time to have a terrible stretch. And I mean, every team has its bad runs. But to follow up that 9-2 homestand, a homestand that it was starting to pick up 2015 vibes with that 12-game stretch of nausea feels like somebody just shot the tires out of the bandwagon. And it's not just losing 4-5 or five to Washington and Detroit, but the way in which they lost the 4-5 or five to Washington and Detroit. I mean, I don't know which loss was worse, Friday or Sunday. Jesse, want to weigh in? I would say Sunday is more heartbreaking. The Bravik Valeria bunt, the two on nobody outs on Friday, or just the one throw from second base away from the win that Jesse's referring. Like, both of them, I don't care what you think, both are on the Mount Rushmore's of losses this year, no? Absolute worst time for them. <laughs> yeah. Worst time of the season to have that happen, period. I, I do need to say something. Casual fans just looking at the standings, it must be said, since their terrible start, the Tigers aren't all that bad. Like, maybe I'm saying it for Tiger fans in Canada because there's a lot of them, but since the 9-24 and 24 start, they're 51-42. and 42. Over the same stretch, the Jays are 47-43. and 43. Like, so it wasn't a terrible Detroit team that came to town. But the way that the Jays lost those games, the two of them, was terrible. So blame Charlie Montoya all you want. Like, I didn't really like the Bravik Valeria pinch hitting for Alejandro Kirk just to put the game in the hands of Randall Grichuk. Like, I, that move for me was head-scratching. And there have been a few head-scratching moments for Charlie Montoya. But the Charlie hate is kind of ridiculous and overblown. Yeah, I said it. He didn't go one for 31 with runners in scoring position in a three-game series against, what, the, the 20th-ranked pitching staff in the bigs? One for 31 with runners in scoring position, and everyone's screaming and yelling that they got to get rid of the manager? I don't even know how that's possible. I didn't even know it was until I saw the stat. 
Stats damning. And there's a few of them. We might get into them a little later. I don't want to blow all my Jays information in this first opening segment. When in doubt, blame it on the manager. I get it. But there are some questions that the team, the entire team, not just the manager, needs to answer. The bullpen, for sure. Late close game offense is starting to become a question, too. And simply some dudes who have never been here before might just be tired which is why the Springer injury is getting bigger with every game he misses. Well, at least they get a little break here, a little respite, if you will. Well, hold on. Sorry, what's that? All right. Here come the AL Central leading 72-53 and 53 White Sox and their Cy Young candidate, Lance Lynn. Holy shnikes. Okay, so now it's either play big-time ball or watch it all fall. Like this year. Play big-time baseball for the next little while, or it all comes down for this year. They're, I say they're trending in the right way. I, I remain very focused that they are trending in the right way. But this year is done if they don't play amazing baseball for the rest of the season. And I kind of like this challenge. Like I would rather see the playoffs, just like you. Trust me, it's good for the show. But let's see where the kids. Like let's see where the kids are. Let's see what the kids are made of. Like I am down for that, aren't you? Blue Jay Central comes your way in just over an hour. So lay the remote down. We've got you covered. And uh, it's just the remote these days as we are no longer on the radio. But this is good for those who are in the television audience as we've tried really, really hard not to be too visual because it's difficult for a radio audience to see. I don't, did you know that, Jesse, that it's difficult for a radio audience to see things? You don't say. Yeah, no, it's, it's remarkably difficult for a radio audience to see the things that we put on TV. So we can do a few more memes, a few more gifs during the match game, and have a few more great tweets or IG posts. That'll all be a part of the repertoire moving forward. But if you were used to listening to us, no problem. You can still stream us live on your phone anytime using Sportsnet now, which is, of course, free to most Rogers customers. And the podcast will still be there in seconds wherever you download your podcast. And speaking of being there in seconds, Andre DeGrasse got to the finish line in 9.74 this weekend in the 100 meters and he is set to join us today. That's right. One of the true friends of the show. He's been on a bunch since the first time we had him on while he was still in university at USC. And our baby boy is done grown up. Olympic gold medalist Andre DeGrasse coming up on Tim and Friends. Also dropping by, though, not as fast on the track. You should see him type on deadline. <laughs> Ben Nicholson-Smith will join the fray to discuss the Jays. And with Manny Pacquiao talking about it being over, are we at a time in boxing, in boxing excuse me, or bosking, whatever you want to call it, where folks want to see legends in an exhibition or, God forbid, a Paul brother in the ring more than actual world-class boxers? Seems like too many folks are questioning the science these days and the sweet science... Could it be the next to be ignored? Ray Flores, host of uh, Premier Boxing Champions on Fox, will join us to discuss a little later on. So will Jesse Rubinoff, our digital producer, co-host, dropping by with First Things First. In fact, Jesse takes it immediately after Biggie. First Things First. First. You're right about Ben. Like, every time they go to him during the Jays broadcast, it's just... 
Sitting there tapping locked away. in. Yeah, just locked in. Tapping away. Those writers, they can type. Tap, tap, tap. Looking forward to that segment. I but, could uh, never perform on deadline. Well, don't. Well, technically, you do every day. <laughs> yeah, it's a, di a different performing. Like yes. if I had to. Think... I mean, you literally get a count in your ear telling you when you have to take a break. That's right. literally <laughs> a deadline. And if that's it doesn't true. go well, no, it, it's, true. you know. It yeah. can be hairy. It can yeah. be a hairy situation. They'll, so they'll cut me off on live exactly. television. That would be very hairy. Exactly. So you have multiple deadlines every show, <laughs> which is every day. So give yourself some credit there. But if you had to put something out into the, e I guess I do that too because it lives on podcasts. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, I was just thinking about writing things. I'm a dumb writer. No. Can't wait to hear what uh, Ben has to say. But before we get to his opinions, yes. Let's talk more about the Jays because it's not going well right now. No. Uh, look to shake off that tough weekend tonight when they open four-game series with the AL Central leading White Sox. Lance Lynn, you mentioned him, gets a start for Chicago against Alec Manoa. They didn't look very good against the third-place team in the Central. The Jays didn't. So do you have any confidence in them turning it around against the division leaders? Yeah, because they've played better than what they've shown over the last 12 games. But what they've shown over the last 12 games is that this slide has come at a terrible time. Like, listen, the part of baseball that you always have to remember is that every once in a while, you will look average if you're really good. And if you're average, sometimes you'll look really good. That's just the way it breaks down over 162. And if the Jays are able, listen, their starting rotation has been good. Mm -hmm. Like, over the last little while, they have gotten pitching from their starting rotation. They hit a couple bombs here, and they could eke out a couple more wins than losses against the White Sox, and then you're back to the soft schedule again. I, I don't think it's over. I just think the, the margin for error is now almost nil, and you're playing a really good team. Like, if you don't take three of four, Boston won again today, so now they're five games back in the wild card. Five games is not a huge amount no. with the amount of games that they have remaining. But the margin of error just keeps shrinking and shrinking and shrinking, especially when you hand games away to teams that aren't as good as you. And as good as Detroit has played over the last little while, you had to win that series. And now, because you didn't give yourself any room for error, I was asking for a sweep, yep, maybe two we or three, right? Yeah. Didn't to give it. yourself a little breathing room against a really good White Sox team without breathing room and Lance Lynn coming into town, even though Alex Manoa has pitched very well as of late coming off the bereavement yep. list. Yep. There's a lot of things that the Jays can do against this team. It's just now they have to. And that pressure, it, it cracks pipes or makes diamonds. We're about to see whether we have a pipe or a diamond here. Like they're getting to the point where it's, they're going to have to go on a magical run to do, to do some damage here. I mean, that's yeah, just, just the fact. And they do have those 10 games against the Orioles sort of sitting in their back pocket. But you don't have the same confidence that they can actually do damage against the Orioles because of their record against the teams they had just played. Right. Like historically this season... They were beating up on bad teams. But now it's got to be 9-1 instead of it could have been 7-3, and three, right? right. Like, like, when you do the autopsy of this, of this team in this season, like, this stretch that they just had is going to loom large, I think. The one against the Angels, the Mariners, the Tigers, the Nationals, mm -hmm. that run there. And also with the, with the bullpen. Because the, we've talked about it ad nauseum. Yeah. But I am sick of it. Yeah, exactly. Jays fans are sick of it. Jays, Jays fans are sick of it, but there's no room for error. There's no margin for error. So when no. the offense dries up like it did this weekend, one for 31 scoring position, we were talking about that stat. That's seven runs against the Detroit Tigers. Like, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. There's, how are you supposed to win the game? Because you know what you're going to get with the bullpen. You know that you can't hold the opponent off the score sheet 
the scoreboard for very long with this bullpen, and it's just a matter of time before you end up losing the game if you're not scoring. Are we at the point, and I said this off the top, are we at the point, and, and maybe you can um, either uh, onto something or make it relax to this, mm-hmm. but are the kids that have never been here before um, succumbing to pressure, or are they just tired because they've never been here before? Like, 162 is a long run. You don't even play 162 in the minors, right? Like, you, yeah. you have never played 162 in your life. And now you're in this spot. And I thought the veterans in and around this team were going to have to be big for those kids in this spot. And one of them's out, Marcus Simeon, yesterday. I mean, he's been the ultimate professional. Mm -hmm. You couldn't have asked for more from Marcus Simeon throughout the year. And that error at that time just hurts so bad. I think you're actually on to something there because if you remember when they came home, the July 30th homestand, they go 9-2, and and we've talked about this too, there were just – Great vibes around yeah. the team. And now looking back on it, it feels like that was the peak of the season where you felt like they could really make a run. But then they go on the road trip, and they go 3-6 and six on the road trip, and it's such a buzzkill considering what they were coming off of. Yeah. And then it just felt like it sapped all the energy out of this team. They then come back home, and you have this series, which I know you had talked about the Tigers and how they're better, but, but the Jays fans are not going to care about that because they looked at this <laughs> on the schedule, and they said this is a, this is a series, like we, we said, should get a, a sweep. At the very least, you have to win the series. Yeah. And they didn't. And now the, the hill is incredibly steep that they're going to have to climb to, to get back in the I love the how you glossed over Jay's, care, Jay's fans don't care about reality. <laughs> they don't care about the numbers over the last 90 games. What do they care about that? Yeah. <laughs> 90 game sample size? Pshaw. By the way, speaking of the Tigers and Jay's fans, I do, listen, I'm, I'm poo-pooing on that idea, but the reaction for... Uh, Cabrera's Miggy's 500th home run yesterday. I don't know why Matt's threw him a changeup. He couldn't hit a fastball basically <laughs> in the entire series. But Matt throws him the changeup. He goes deep, just gets it over the wall, but it's not how, it's how many. And it was 500. And I thought, listen, I was there on Saturday and I was shocked, not shocked, but I was just surprised a wee bit with the understanding every time. Cabrera went to the plate of what was going on and to see the curtain call on the road for a guy hitting his 500 I, I'm going to give the Jays fan yeah, a little tip of the cap a little, a little horns here because I think that was very cool I love his quote after the game uh, he said he, he would have preferred to hit it at home but Comerica Park is yeah. cavernous that and too big as if, as if that's caused out. an issue for him previously in his career he's hit a bazillion home runs in that ballpark but, yeah, you said it. Credit to the Jays fans because uh, one of the more knowledgeable fan bases in the majors for sure. So, uh, good to see that. We throw up the list of – can we put up the list of 500 home runs? Like, the, the Major League Baseball record book, does that mean – like, look at the guys that are on this list. Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Rafael Palmero. Like, this is the last 25 years dudes hitting that 500 mark. <laughs> This list is literally cheaters. It's literally, oh yeah, there's cheaters. But (laughs) this list is like my childhood and teenage years, like every big home run hitter. Like that's it. Those are the names. And they're all cheaters. Yeah. Like where did, okay, so then you. Except Griffey. No, talk to me. Yeah, there's a couple guys and Jim Tomei, I don't know. Right? Yeah. There's a couple guys you don't know about. Frank Thomas, is he always the big hurt? Right? So I I just got, uh. I just downloaded MLB The Show, and there's a, a home run derby setting where you can play with these dudes. Mm-hmm. And just to see their swings, 
back in I remember the Sheffield, the Sheffield standing in there. Like it's just no, no, so cool. Like, stop this. What? When did A Rod become the guy who can do the Hey, congratulations, Miguel Cabrera on hitting <laughs> like he's a cheater face. <laughs> When did he become likable? Well, is it, How uh, did he become? When did he's he get a commentator now? We just I like know. we just brush by the fact that he's a commentator. Like somebody values his opinion enough, even though given his past, Fox put him on for shock value, and now everyone's like, "Hey, he's all right. He dated Jennifer Lopez." <laughs> like, what are we doing here? It is amazing, fascinating that given what transpired over the course of his career. The Balco, all that stuff. How he was how hated, he, how he lied how through this, his teeth. Like, it's it's unbelievable. It. And it's all gone. Like, people, like, people like love him. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't like him as a commentator, but for him to still have the platform that he has considering what transpired yeah. is unbelievable. Forgive and forget, I guess. Forgive and forget. Um, is okay. it just me or is it shaking in this studio? Have you felt the shake at all? Like an earthquake? Are they doing like... You felt that? They're oh, they're doing work. Okay. Yeah, well, you thought I, it was I'm an feeling shit. Yeah, I thought there was an earthquake. Yeah, I was ready to like, hop on Twitter instantly and just check yeah. the earthquake. You jittery? How many had, cups I only of coffee? Had two <laughs> cups of coffee today. Leave me alone. Like, you Sebi, you felt that though too. A little bit. Yeah. yeah, I felt the desk shaking. I'm like, where's the work being done? Stop the hammering! I'm on a stool. Who's hammering? I'm gonna be in trouble here if, if we're shaking like a lot. This stool. I don't know how sturdy this stool is. <laughs> no, it's not. It's I put it on the COVID legs. in 15, so yeah. I could be in trouble here. Um... <laughs> The Blue Jays, we've talked about the Jays fans. The Blue Jays are going to require proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test to attend the remaining home games. Yeah, a lot of franchises now, especially in Ontario, have added to the equation. So yeah. the Ticats, the Blue Jays, and the Ottawa Red Blacks are all doing this right now. And this is pretty simple. If they can get more people into the building paying tickets, they're going to do it. So vaccinations are how we do it then we're going to ask for proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test. If you don't like it, uh, you're good. this is what you're going to have to deal with because yeah. everyone's going to be doing it moving forward. For business and for public health right. purposes. For both pur- yeah. like, even if you just Even if you don't believe in the public health of it all, and if you don't, I, I would say <laughs> do more reading, but if you don't believe in the public health of it all, Companies are just going to do this so they can make yeah. more money, so they can get more people into their doors no matter what it is. So get used to it. Do more reading. Very, very diplomatic. <laughs> uh, speaking of vaccinations, the CFL has announced that this week's game between and careful what you read, Toronto sure and you Edmonton has been postponed after several Elks players tested positive for COVID-19. The league said the Elks, quote, will not practice or travel until our chief medical officers and public health officials have assured us it is safe for them to do so. The game against the Argos will be rescheduled. Edmonton beat BC on Thursday night, but so far, all of the Lions tests have come back negative, thankfully. Do you think this is a harbinger of what's to come for all football leagues? Yeah, and this is another one of those warnings. And listen, you can play your politics. You can play whatever side you want. You can. I don't want to get into that. I don't want to be down that road. I just know that this is a lot of trouble for the CFL, and every other league is going to look at this and say, Okay, one, 
It was supposed to be played at BMO. It's not like Argos have rule of the roost at BMO. There's mm. other teams that play at BMO that are trying to get their games in, and they can't just move whenever the hell they want this game. The CFL has also said they're going to be tough on teams that don't have COVID vaccinations. If you aren't at 85% of your team vaccinated, then you could not only forfeit the game, but the team could forfeit their checks because of this. And now I don't know enough about this, so there are reports out there that are suggesting that the Elks are among the least vaccinated teams in the CFL. If, listen, TSN, the CFL, they're all going to try and move heaven and earth to get this game in. If they don't, those players in a league where you don't make a hell of a lot of money are not going to get their game checks for this game. And I don't care who you are, when someone starts affecting your pocketbook, Mm -hmm. like we just said, that's going to cause a rift. And, you know, like you can look through all – football is different because there's so many guys. They play in such close quarters in practice and after the game. It's not like you can just expand your locker room. There's cold weather when you're playing. Like they have so many different things that deal with football being different than other sports that – it's going to cause a little bit of a riff in locker rooms if guys start losing paychecks because of something like we're just seeing yeah. right here. It's business. Uh, you hope everyone on the Elks gets well. Last I heard, it was uh, five players had tested positive. Right, uh, and you hope to see no more yeah. so that they can get back to football and no one loses the paycheck. No question. Yeah. Okay, speaking of Edmonton, the Edmonton Stingers won their second straight CEBL championship on Sunday. The Stingers... Blew out the Niagara River Lions in the championship game in front of their home fans. We know the CEBL isn't on the radar of a lot of sports fans, but Tim, you've been following it closely, so why should fans be paying attention to this? It's really good basketball, one. Two, it's a domestic league, which we don't have a ton of. And three, a lot of Canadian players that are playing in that league will represent Canada moving forward in qualifying for World Cups and qualifying for Olympics. So it's a depth of pool kind of thing. But what they've done with the CEBL and with the CPL as well is they've embraced their Canadian content, kind of sort of like the CFL. Mm -hmm. And because of it, um, they're providing opportunities to guys that wouldn't necessarily get it. And the CEBL is playing during the off-season of Europe. So they're get, like this league is as good as leagues in, say, Germany or Italy or Spain or France. And I don't know that Canadians know that. Like, all those European leagues, this is as good as them. Like, there are Canadian players that are playing in this league that go back across the pond. There are American players that are playing in this league that go back across. The basketball's really good, and it will help develop our basketball talent down the road. And I can't wait for the day, and it's going to happen soon, if the CEBL lasts, where guys will go from there to the NBA just like they go from Cheska Moscow to the NBA. And that happens. Right, So it'll be real interesting to see if and when maybe even a Canadian who gets group, they can play U sports and play in this league. And if you show up against these pros as a U sports player, it's only a matter of time before scouts start saying, oh, wow, never mind that you can pay a U sports player to 
play in the CBL with scholarship money? It's an option. Yeah. It is an option. If you're I not going to Michigan or UCLA, maybe you go to a Canadian school and Ooh, get the scholarship. Could be a wrinkle. We see right. in the future more guys doing it. Uh, okay. Speaking of homegrown talent like the CBL, Andre DeGrasse, yes. fresh off picking up another three medals in Tokyo, won the 100 meters at the Prefontaine Classic in Oregon with a wind-aided time of 9.74 seconds. If it weren't for the wind, DeGrasse's time would have been a personal best and a Canadian record. What do we make of this result? If I'm not mistaken, and maybe I can ask Andre later, like the NCAA championships were in Oregon when he ran ridiculous times at USC as well. Like he just must love that area. The home to of run Nike, in. yeah. Like, because he's putting on a show. Yeah, the Puma athlete yeah. in the uh, the Show home of out. Nike. But 974, now, of course, it's win-aided. But uh, this proves everyone running in there basically missing just the Italian who won the 100 meters so, yeah, in Tokyo. Field. It was a stacked field. Like, that was real deal. Um, we'll ask him whether or not he felt like he maybe could have pulled off the gold double at Tokyo. Because if he ran that way in Tokyo... He may have pulled off the gold double. What do you think about the the or wind double rule? Gold. What do you think about the wind rule? Like what as mean, a what as do I a, think of the wind rule? Well, it, it was 2.9 meters per second, right? And the yeah. threshold is two, two. seconds, to, and it takes away a record. So if you're in like top top form, how do you think it would affect a, a sprinter knowing that you have to deal with that? You're, be no, you're not going to set a record, right? Someone find the calculations. There's got to be calculations out there. Like how yeah. mu how much a world class sprinter is aided by 0.9 wind? Because yeah. I, I know what you're saying. But once you're over the wind, it's obviously aiding and abetting, yeah. which makes it even more impressive like, if they run into a headwind. But they, I would love to know what, like, how many hundreds of a second? Would they know about it before they race? Like, when he's in the blocks, like, do we think he's no, like... They post it on the they, time. They post it, yeah. Like, so, as soon as the time comes up, you see the wind as well. Right. Wind dated. 979. That that's four. fast. 974, that's yeah. fast. Sorry, yeah. Ben 979 was Ben Johnson. Yeah. That, that, to put it in perspective. There you go. You put it in perspective. Five uh, still to come. Faster. As mentioned, Andre DeGrasse just after 6 Eastern. Also, Ray Flores, boxing reporter and commentator. Have we seen the last of Manny Pacquiao in the ring? And up next, the Jays' playoff chase sputtering. Can they revive it against the first place White Sox? Ben Nicholson-Smith joins me to discuss. Monday, let's go, please. And that one gets through the legs of Kirk, and the run will score. And the Tigers have tied it. And he gets it down. Throw to third in time to force Hernandez. What you want to do, obviously, is punt it to the third baseman, make him leave third base, and that wasn't the case. It's a soft liner and a left to base hit. Guriel charging, throwing, and it's way offline as the Tigers take a 2-1 lead. And the Blue Jays over the last seven games have not hit well. The runners in scoring position, just a 0.98 average. And a ground ball to Simeon. Oh, and he bounced it over to Guerrero, and the tying run will score. Wow. And that's hit hard into left field, and the Tigers are going to take the lead. Boy, another tough loss for a team that unfortunately has had a number of tough losses. Not exactly ideal, as the kids say. Jays lost two or three painfully to the Tigers over the weekend. And now it's time for four against the White Sox. 
Tonight they face Cy Young candidate Lance Lynn in the opener. Alec Manoa will counter for the Jays on Sportsnet. Blue Jays Central comes your way. 6.30 Eastern, so lay down the remote control. We have got you covered counting down to Blue Jays Central, and it continues uh, with one of the best in the game from Sportsnet.ca. At the Letters Podcast is Ben Nicholson-Smith joining us from his home studio, BNS. What's going on, buddy? Not much, Tim. Good to be talking some baseball, although not ideal circumstances for the Jays right now, as I'm sure everyone is aware. No, it's, it's not. So what What from this weekend were you most baffled by? Because there was a plethora of things that could probably uh, fill up the, uh, the old notebook. Honestly, it just feels like this team has had so many close losses, so many painful losses. And I guess that's the nature of being a team that's close, but to this point, not where they want to be. Um, But, you know, you look back to Friday when Alejandro Kirk has that wild pitch go between his legs. That is a tough way to lose a game without a doubt. And then on Sunday, when the Blue Jays seem to be on the brink of a win and with two outs in the ninth inning, they end up making an error. I mean, those are just painful, painful losses at a time that this team absolutely could not afford to lose games. All right, let's start on Friday because that felt like uh, the most heartbreaking of the heartbreak, although I'm guessing Jesse already disagreed with me once and there are more who will disagree with me that the throw from second base to first base that we're seeing from Marcus Simeon to Vladimir Guerrero was more heartbreaking. But there were so many things to nitpick along the way in that Friday game. The two on, nobody out. I guess there was a man on second, nobody out. Seventh, eighth, and ninth inning of that game for the Jays, unable to cash him. You've got the Kirk. You've got Kirk being pinch hit for. There's a bunt there. That's the one that, to me, I look... Listen, we're going to talk about the Charlie Hate in a second. That one, to me, hurt the most, where you take the bat out of Kirk's hands and you give it to Grichuk. Now, you're hoping that all he needs to do is hit a fly ball when you're bunting. However... You took the bat out of Kirk's hands, gave it to Bravek Valeria, and he couldn't get the sacrifice down, and you kept doing it with two strikes against a guy throwing 100 miles an hour. That, to me, is a tough situation. It, it absolutely is. And, I mean, you think about Alejandro Kirk, and, yes, he has had his defensive struggles. There's no yeah. question about that. And it's not just on Friday. I'm thinking back to the Mariners series. You can really trace it back. And And, look, I mean, he's a guy who has about – 160 minor league games career and not that much major league experience so of course he's not a finished product defensively but the guy can swing the bat so totally agree there that you know if you're looking at that situation your different options Kirk as a hitter that's what you want him to be doing you want him at the plate in a situation with the game on the line and even on Sunday he was able to come through when the Blue Jays needed to advance a runner put some some contact uh, on the ball and Kirk did come through offensively. So 100% agree that Friday situation where you are taking the bat out of his hands, that's, that's a moment that in hindsight you would do differently. All right, so people are just crushing Charlie Montoyo right now. Where, where does the truth lie on how much um, of this is on Charlie Montoyo? And by this, like, I mean, it's been building the whole year, but I guess the last 12 
Right. I, I understand any fan who's frustrated with the way this season is going. I mean, it's been a very rough 10 days. This team was doing so well. And then all of a sudden, this this last stretch has been awful. You see it right there. They are not hitting. They are not producing. So, of course, I totally get any Blue Jays fan who is frustrated. But to put this on Charlie Montoyo, to me, doesn't make any sense. I mean, you're talking about a team in the Toronto Blue Jays who just scored seven runs over three games against the Detroit Tigers, seven runs. I mean, that for this team, that could be a good inning. They've done that at times and they should be scoring in bunches. So to score seven over the course of a full three game series, you're not putting your manager, you're not putting your pitching staff in a position to succeed. And, you know, the same goes for the bullpen because as much as we've talked about these painful losses and we could of course nitpick, you know, he's, he's going to Trent Thornton and leverage, you know, why, why would he do that? Well, at a certain point, you actually have to pick someone, you know, someone has to pitch the innings. And at a time that they've had so many injuries and so many relievers like Brad hand for much of this month of August has underperformed. So who does he go to? Like, I, I just, I'm not saying that he should win manager of the year or anything. Cause that's obviously not going to happen. But at the same time, the blame to me has to go to, you know, the, the offense that has not performed to its full potential, the injuries that have happened. I, I wouldn't look to Montoyo for this. Yeah, I can't believe that you hit like a, a high in Charlie Montoyo hate when the hitters go one for 31 with runners in scoring position. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just like that's that's what we're seeing right here is this team. It's hard to go one for 31 with runners in scoring position. Yeah, it's hard. And literally. And yet, yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not asking you if you know, I'm not asking you if you've talked to Ross Atkins or Mark Shapiro. I'm asking about your gut. Does your gut tell you that Charlie Montoyo will be revisited in the offseason, whatever happens here? I think that honestly, my gut says he's back. Like, I don't even think that this front office would spend a lot of time on that. To me, if you're Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro, there are some places that you need to spend your time. I mean, you need to spend your time upgrading this bullpen. And I don't mean with just one arm, but with multiple arms over the course of the offseason. Then you've also got Robbie Ray, who's a Cy Young candidate. He's about to hit free agency. You've got Marcus Semyon, who's been one of the best players in baseball, and he's about to hit free agency. Yeah. So those are decisions that need a lot of attention from this front office. And, and I think that's where their attention will go. If, if you're asking me what I think, that's, that would be my prediction. Uh, Jesse always asked me good questions. And uh, Jesse asked me about Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s swoon last week. And I, I started thinking about how much work he put in the offseason to drop between, what, like 40 and 50 pounds to get ready for this year. And I wondered if that was starting to wear on him. And then I started to think about these kids have never really been here before. Like the grind of 162, you had the shortened season last year. A lot of them came up the year before. We haven't really seen this from this group of kids. Are we starting to see tired youngsters on this team? I think with both Vlad and Bo, you're mm-hmm. seeing the performance drop off. And, you know, only they know how much these injuries, these little minor nagging injuries are affecting them. Maybe they'll be candid with us after the season. I don't think during the season they're going to be fully open about exactly what's what's going on. But the reality is these guys are being asked a lot um, when it comes to their production defensively and offensively. And, and for the most part, they have been incredible all season long the yes. production is there you know even if you include this last stretch both Bo and Vlad are coming through 
But I, I think it's fair to say, Tim, that, you know, when you look at this season, the challenges that come with playing 162 after 60 for the first time in the major leagues, it's fair to say that, you know, there are some questions as far as what kind of toll this is taking. And certainly some lessons will be learned this season that these guys can take forward with them. Uh, I'm being told that we have pictures of George Springer in and around uh, the batting cages today. What are you hearing on Springer? And could uh, sounded like over the weekend there was some uh, some progression there. I mean, these pictures right here tell quite a story, right? To see him moving seemingly comfortably, moving quickly, that is a very good sign for the Blue Jays. When you think about how bad that looked going back, I mean, it was just seven or eight days ago that he was going down in center field in Seattle did not look good. So obviously on the injured list for a minimum of 10 days, tomorrow will be that 10th day. So depending how these conversations go, as you're seeing Charlie Montoyo talking with Springer, seems like that's a conversation that's going well. And if <laughs> things continue in that direction, he comes through tomorrow feeling good. I mean, it's, it's, pretty easy to imagine that he wouldn't need too too much longer than that 10-day period hey we're, we're off radio now so we can talk about soria on the mound too like just pictures of seeing soria throwing like also good signs great signs i mean soria it, it's almost like the timing isn't right they yeah. could have used soria the last week and a half right you know true. for some of those Very some true. of those games but he can still help he can still help and nate pearson too whenever he joins this major league team both those guys should make a difference. And it's just, you know, the Jays have a chance. It's like 10%, 11% per fan graphs. So they're still in this thing, but they really have to start winning now because it's they're, they're being pushed to the edges of all this. All right, a uh, minute left here, I'm being told by the Wiley producers of this show. Uh, would you like to spend it talking about Alec Manoa versus Lance Lynn or your favorite card on the shelves over your left shoulder? Oh, let's go with the cards. Yeah, I've got <laughs> I think you can see it's oh no, it's the other oh yeah, there it is. Uh that's Vlad Senior. He's up there. So that's that's, that's not a rookie my, card, is it? No, no. I don't all my rookie cards are just destroyed. So, you know, I don't necessarily have valuable baseball cards, but yeah. I've got some fun ones. Yeah, I sold them all for like twenty bucks to some creepy dude who just scammed a twelve year old at his store. Oh, no. Yes. It's too bad you can't get those back. Baseball cards <laughs> oh are the my best. God. I sold, like, Gretzky rookies. I sold, like, I don't even know. I don't want to think of the conditions that they were in. I had a ton of rookie cards that I sold. And, and like, unlike Jesse Rubinoff, who should have sold his top shot, <laughs> no. I shouldn't have sold mine. A shot across the bow. <laughs> yes. Is the, isn't that the $6.6 .6 million Honus Wagner card that we see over uh, Ben's left shoulder there? I wish, guys. I, wish. <laughs> I think these might be worth a combined $6.6, .6, and that's about it. Ben wouldn't be on our show if it was the $6.6 right. million. Well, he's doing it for the love of the, love <laughs> of the game. For the love of the game. He'd be, he'd be in the Bahamas. All right, thanks, Ben. Anytime. Thanks, thanks guys. There is Ben Nicholson-Smith. Follow on Twitter, or you're doing baseball in this country wrong. Time for a break. When we come back, final round Northern Trush Open was delayed due to Hurricane Henry. So, Monday, final round golf, a packed leaderboard full of big names and Canadian. We'll get to the highlights next right here. Tim and Friends continues on Sportsnet. Uh, welcome back to Tim and Friends. Final round Monday. That's right. Northern Trust open after postponed because of Hurricane 
Henri, I'm being told. It is a French hurricane in the area, so I can't call it Henry. It is actually, Jesse, you've looked this up, it is Hurricane Henri, right? That's actually legitimately uh, right. what it's called, and it's because of, of where the storm originates. Oh. Like, so some so are, are, are named. It was a like, French speaking. Uh, like in the basin, yes. Where the hurricane started. Correct. Thus, Hurricane Henri. Yes. That's why sometimes you get French and Spanish hurricane names. So why wouldn't it be Ouragan Henri if we're going to say it that way? Wow. I, didn't, I don't know if they're going that far. Obviously, they're not. Well, but if you're going to go that far and you're going to be pretentious about it and tell me that I've got to call it Henri, right. then why don't we, why are we calling it Hurricane? Meteorologists everywhere should take note. Because someone in the States won't know what the hell it is if we call it Ouragan Henri. That's why. They went I, halfway. Canadian Corey Connors shot a career low in round three, firing a 9-under 62 and had a share of the lead when he finished. But a bunch of others went real low. So Connors entered today four back of the leaders, which included Jean Ron. <laughs> All right, let's go to the final round of the Northern Trust. And it did rain. I don't know how they got this course ready. Uh, apparently holes in the grass is how they got it ready. Ten inches on Liberty National, but they had it ready. Now, not quite for Victor Hovland, who... After a quadruple bogey and then a double bogey, broke his putter. So he's putting with his wedge from nine and a half feet. Who needs a putter? Drained it. He finished nowhere near the lead, though. John Rahm. Leading at 18 under. Here, just tearing this. I mean, it's soft because of all the rain, so you get it. 19 under par at that point. Tony Finau, one back. Can he actually win tournaments, Tony? Like He's always there. <laughs> That's so mean. Birdie gets him into a tie for the lead to 13. Back to Rom. Second shot, par five. Gets it on the green. Two putts for the birdie to move to 20 under. Retake sole possession. Any chance that Tony Finau still one shot back? Is that mean or is that just like, listen, I don't, I'm not ripping you because you can't win a tournament because the constant place top five means that you are a really good golfer. Very rich. And Finau is always in the top five. Wealthy, some might say. Very, very wealthy. Very, very rich for placing top fives. But, man, he needs to win a few of these. 100%. Uh, John Rahm was also complaining earlier this week about the FedEx Cup format and the mm -hmm. Tour Championship. Like he, he, the based on the way he's playing, if he wins his tournament, it's looking like he's gonna go to the Tour Championship eventually with the new format. I think it started last year. Mm -hmm. The leader starts with a two-shot lead, and he didn't like it, which I thought was surprising to say that publicly because it's really dramatic. Like he, he, he was upset because you can have two bad holes. Golf beef again. We got more golf beef. Well, well you Jax can have given us more golf beef. You can have two bad holes at the Tour Championship, and your lead is gone. Your lead in the FedEx Cup so standings, which you've worked I, so hard for, no, is, is I, his beef. I understand what the beef is, and he's got a point, but what's the number? And how do you get to the number? I know, but it was so confusing before this. It was like, this guy makes his putt, he's going to be in fifth. Or if he misses it, he's going to be in 65th. It's like, it was so hard to figure out. You At didn't least even now know when the know. guy won. Exactly. So it's better now. So I'm just surprised that Rom, who's a great ambassador for golf in the PGA Tour, I'm surprised he would come out and criticize it like that, especially when he's made a ton of But he's of got money. a solid point. Like, what's that worth? And how many points do you need to be up to quantify how many strokes you need to be up. Right. Because 
Listen, it's a two-stroke lead. Like, that makes you the favorite immediately. But, yes, a double bogey, and it's going like that. But is it, like, if, if they go to the Tour Championship and he's up seven, say, for example, like, that, that's less exciting. It may end up being better, but as a fan, right, if you're looking at it. Do you want to discuss exciting. this? Are we going to sit here and talk about strokes? Sure. No, I guess not. I probably shouldn't have phrased it that way. <laughs> so let's just move on. Time for a break. On the other side, we'll class it up a little Olympic gold medalist, longtime friend of the show, Andre de Grasse stops by to relive his success in Tokyo. And what's next? Andre de Grasse, world's fastest man, joins us next here on Tim and Friends. Like five strokes. Tim and Friends, now for Tim and Friends. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Back here, hour number two, Tim and friends, Andre DeGrasse. Gold medal, Tokyo, 200 meters, six for six in meddling at Olympic events. Will join me in mere moments from now. We're here with you until 7 Eastern on Sportsnet 360, while on Sportsnet, Blue Jays Central will take over ahead of the Jays and White Sox in about a half an hour's time. We will check in with Buck and Tabby shortly. Jays entered the day four and a half games back of the A's and Red Sox for the second wild card. And the Red Sox in action earlier this afternoon. If you haven't seen the highlights, kids, we got you covered. But we pick it up in the ninth. All-star closer Matt Barnes. 1260 ERA in the month of August. I say that, and you know something's going to happen. Two on, one out. Nick Solak up the middle. Xander Bogart tries the flip. Christian Arroyo can't hold on to it. Everybody's safe. Infield single. Next batter, Andy Ibanez sends one deep. It bounces over the wall. Two run score. Barnes blows the save. We need extras. Bottom 10, Boston down 4-3, down to their final strike. Raphael Devers off the wall. Bogart scores from first. Game-saving double. We're tied at four. Bottom of the 11th now. 3-2 coming. Swing a high fly ball. This game is over. Slam is deep to right field, and it is gone. How about a walk-off grand slam for Travis Shaw? Yeah, that's right. The man they call the mayor of Ding Dong City hits a ding dong. Red Sox win 8-4. Since the start of this thing, Sid and I always prided ourselves on introducing you to talent before anyone else in Canada. Being honest, sometimes it didn't work out all that well. And sometimes it turned out to be a WNBA star or an NHL top selection or in this case, an Olympic gold medalist. Okay, so so maybe we don't go back to his first race in basketball shorts and basketball shoes, but it feels like we've been talking to Andre DeGrasse from time, fam. From time! You're a young man, and there is real potential here for you to be a massive athletic name in this country. Are you ready for it? <laughs> I have no choice, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really satisfied with my goals yet. I want to be able to become a world championship one day, an Olympic champion, so I still have to keep pushing and, and get, get towards my goals. This kid under pressure has responded at the NCAAs, 
at the Pan Ams, and now this is almost best case scenario at the World Championships. Well, we've been behind you uh, since your days at USC, and uh, we'll be cheering you along uh, in the Olympics as well. You know what? This might be a good test to get used to crowds like that. I'm getting ready for the Olympics, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good about it. It's so funny watching you walk around, because by August, you're going to be like Gretzky. <laughs> like, it's so, it's amazing. You're just walking around. It's no big deal. Wait till August. Um, it will change. It will change. It will change. 21-year-old in his first Olympics proved that he not only had the stage presence that this show had promised everybody watching, if you watch, but uh, is the odds-on favorite to assume the mantle from Bolt as the next one. The thing that amazes me the most is inside track folk look at you and are like jaw-dropped. Right? And it's not just Donovan Bailey. I heard Linford Christie say, you're the next one. Like, oh, really? it, it's... A nice compliment. People have been saying, you know, I'm next up, but I still got to continue to, you know, work hard and, you know, I'm going to get ready for Tokyo. Bronze in the 100, silver in the 200 at the World Championships in Doha. Do you feel like you are back where you were before the injuries? Yeah, I feel like I'm making my way back, definitely. You know, going forward, I just think that I, I can do so much better, and I, now I just have to go prove it. You know, it's it's incredible. I always look back and say, like, I, you know, I, I can't believe I came this far. Um, you know, this journey has been just just wild. It's it's been a dream come true for me, and now I just want to keep that going and keep that momentum, and hopefully, you know, one day I, I want to say I can call myself a champion, like you know Donovan Bailey and win a gold medal in you know Tokyo. Speaking into existence, the last one from just five years ago. Six-time Olympic medalist, true to his word, gold medalist in Tokyo. Our baby bro has grown up. Ladies and gentlemen, Andre DeGrasse. How are you, man? I'm good, man. That was a wicked video. Oh, man, that kind of, it touched me. It touched me. I can't believe it's uh, it's been that long, man. It's the, the journey. Wow, that's uh, that's crazy. All the way back from uh, from college days. So did the kid at USC expect this, Andre? And and what would you say to the kid at USC now at 26? Well, just continue to believe in yourself, man. Trust the process and uh, look 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 at you now. Uh, it's crazy. I mean. Never thought, never thought, never believed that I, I, I could do this. But uh, looking back at that video, it, it really showed that, yeah, I mean, I, I, had, I had it in me. Um, and I really just had to, like you said, speak into, into existence. And uh, it's finally uh, all the hard work and all the, everything has just paid off, man. That's, that's just, that's incredible. It's crazy. Uh, I talked to Christine Sinclair <laughs> last week and I asked the same thing. Like when I introduce you and I say Olympic gold medalist, has it sunk in yet? No, it hasn't. It hasn't even sunk in. I mean, it still, it still feels like uh, I haven't done it. I don't know. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, I mean, I just, I guess, because uh, I'm still on this high and I haven't had time to really reflect and uh, and uh, I just been still competing and you know still on the go. Uh, but I think when everything is uh, all said and done and you know I have time to myself, uh, I'll realize that uh, that I actually this 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 actually happened and it wasn't a dream. <laughs> There he is holding the gold. I was going to ask you, like, who were you thinking of in the moment? But I don't have to because there were some awesome visuals of you and your young family. I mean, what, what did it mean to see them, like, right after on the track in a camera and be able to talk to them? 
Oh, that was incredible. I didn't expect that. I mean, I, you know, I remember this lady coming up to me and she was like, your family is over here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> my family is, uh, is not here. Like, uh, they're not in the stadium, like there's no fans. But then uh, they just showed me this big screen and, uh, and I was just like, oh, wow. I was amazed that I actually could like talk to them like this. And uh, it was just, it was just really incredible. I saw them jumping up and down. They were so excited. Uh, it made me it made me super excited. I'm like, I just really couldn't believe that this was actually happening and, and that I did it. And uh, it was just really just a dream come true. So uh, for me, that was uh, that was that's who I was doing it for. Of course, I was doing it for Canada, my family, uh, all my friends back home, uh, everybody that's just, just that's just supported me on this journey. I mean, uh, it's 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 crazy. It's incredible. Yeah, let me let me walk that road for a second because I, I listen. I know from winning a game at the Senator O'Connor Basketball Classic in Grade Eight, I think against St. Tim's, two free throws late to ice it. You know what I'm saying, DeGrasse? And I know that things rush through your mind, and it's almost chaos when stuff like that happens. But when you got your first chance to really think about what you did, I don't know if it was like after you left the track, after you did the interviews, was it that night? Like. Do you remember what and who was going through your mind as kind of like you, you've hit? I know you, the moment is chaos, but after what went through your mind? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> to be honest, nothing went through my mind because I literally had uh, to wake up. <laughs> right. <laughs> to do it all in like two hours <laughs> to run the four by one inch relay. I remember uh, head coach, uh, he was calling me. He was like, it's like, Andre, uh, we need you. Uh, we, we need you for these heats. Uh, you know, we need you to, to run these heats in order for us to make the finals and have a chance at a, at a, at a medal. Um, so I didn't even really get a chance to really, like, soak it all in. I remember, like, I was coming back, had to get something to eat, had to shower. Um, I got to my, my room, and I'm like, <laughs> it's like 4 o'clock in the morning, and my phone is just blowing up. Um, I think, and I had to get up at, like, 6 so I don't even know if I even slept the two hours. I don't even know if I just closed my eyes. And I remember setting an alarm, uh, you know, myself and even Aaron was in the same position because we, we had just yeah. uh, you know, come back, come back on the track together from the finals. And we're like, hey, we both got to run this, man. We, we had a chance to make the finals and we have a chance to get on the podium. So I really didn't even get a chance to really sink it all in. Uh, I still haven't got a chance to sink it all in. So I just remember I, I was thinking about I was thinking about the relay and that was it. <laughs> can, can you tell us the craziest? Like, did you have time to go through the text? Like, who was the what was the craziest name or was there a craziest name that popped up in your phone? You're like, new phone, who this? And then the answer is someone that you didn't expect. Uh, I can't even remember. Yeah. I mean, so All many right. people, so many, so many people hit me up. Um, I, I honestly, I, could, I can't even remember. Like a lot of, of course, a lot of blue checks. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, just just a lot of people. Whether it was Instagram, uh, they had my phone number. They got my phone number from somewhere. Right. So a lot of people were just uh, messaging me. Uh, it was definitely different from uh, from winning a bronze and a silver for sure. Uh, this was <laughs> right. this was a lot different. So uh, just winning that gold medal was uh, was was crazy. I couldn't believe it. A, a lot um, of. I couldn't, a lot I'm, still, of praying. I'm still trying to get back to people. I'm still trying to trying to do that. I was going to say a lot of praying hand emoji responses. I am marvel at the idea that you have meddled in the six events that you've entered in the Olympics and how everything for Olympians has to be right every four years. And in this case, five years in the waiting, and yet you put up personal bests in the 100 and the 200. I guess my question is, how the hell do you do that? <laughs> Uh, I got to give that credit to my coach. Yeah. Um, 
uh, my whole team, they make sure that, uh, that I peak and that I bring my best to the championship. I mean, all the other races leading up to before, uh, it doesn't matter. They're all just, uh, it's all like, like it's all regular season. You know, it's, it's, this is, this is the playoffs. This is the, this is the big show and you got to bring out your best game, uh, at the champ. So for me, um, they made sure I'm ready. They made sure I'm ready to go. Um, we, we obviously, we go into a training camp a couple of weeks before to just, you know, get your mind right to stay focused. So there's no distractions. And, uh, we just go, I just go out there and, and, and just try to have fun, uh, enjoy the moment. So for me, I think, uh, it's just a mindset. It's a mindset to just, uh, go out there and, uh, just know that, you know, this is what counts. This is where I got to put it all on the line and anything that happened before good or bad, it's thrown out the window. Doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, this is, this is, this is, this is what counts. Uh, and of course, when you have a good team around you, just telling you that, you know, you're ready, you're ready to go. Uh, you're ready to do something special. It just gives me all the confidence in the world to, to go out there. And then of course, Canada, all the social media messages that I'm getting leading up to the games, uh, that just, that just hypes me up. It gets me ready to go. <laughs> okay. I love, I love the humble Canadian in you, but I have this saying like special players make special plays on special days. And I, I firmly believe that it's the hallmark of the true greats. Like, when you are on that spot, is it your best? Like, do you have, like, a really dope hype mixtape that you listen to? Like, <laughs> are you getting jacked up like football players ready to run through a brick wall? Or are you, like, biathlon, like, lowering your heart rate so you can find – like, do you – how do you mm-hmm. explain the zone or what you're in just before that gun goes off? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the bus ride over, um, I'm definitely lowering my heart rate. I don't want to get too excited and waste all my energy before I actually go out there. So I'm definitely listening to a lot of mellow music, a lot of, uh, I guess people like to say R&B, love music. (laughs) So I'm kind of just like lowering that heart rate and just, you know, just just listening to the beat. Um, And then when I actually get out there onto the warm-up track, I'm like, okay, now I'm trying to pump myself up. I'm listening to like, you know, uh, artists that, that do that, like kind of like 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 Drake or or J. Cole, um, uh, just like Big Sean, like a lot of people yeah. that are like you know, hype me up in my playlist. So um, that's kind of how I'm going. Out, are you? <laughs> I, was try- I was trying to say a Big Sean, Zen the, and then I realized I can't say the rest of that, but <laughs> Big Sean is Zen the bleep out that's what i should have said yeah yeah so i'm just just trying to pump myself up i'm just trying to i'm just trying to get going uh so that's kind of what i do when i when i start my warm-up and then um after that yeah i mean it's just kind of like being in the zone uh you're kind of just locked in right you're you're focused on that race you're visualizing you're visualizing what you're about to go out there and do and then of course you know you're talking to your coach and your team around you and just telling you these are the things you got to do and you got to execute every round is different. And, uh, you know, just, t- of course I try to tell myself, take it one round at a time. I think a lot of people do that, but for myself, I just try to say, you know, don't worry about the finals yet. You know, worry about what's in front of you, worry about the first round. And then, uh, then we can get towards the semifinals and then the finals. So, uh, that's nice. kind of how I approach my mindset. I approach it. <laughs> I want to get to some extracurriculars in a, in a second, but some folks thought the anchor leg in the four by 100 was your best work of the games. Did you see the still pictures of where you got the baton and where you ended up? Because it was pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was actually um, our biomech was saying that was my fastest anchor leg ever. Um, faster than 2016 or any of the or any of the um, any of the Olympics or any of the World Championship or that I've ever run. So he was like, "Hey, that." 
we could we couldn't have asked for more basically <laughs> so we're just happy that uh i think all of us were just happy that we got the bronze medal um and uh the guys were just really happy that you know they brought me my sixth medal of, of the games um so it was just pretty cool it was awesome uh, it was a huge honor to run with those guys um that's that's always fun for me you know to run with the guys uh because we have such a special bond and uh, we always just joke around, like you know, we're we're you know we're gonna we already broke the national record set with uh, with Donovan and Bruni and Glenroy and uh, right. and and those guys. But uh, you know, we I feel like yeah. yeah, and Robert has me. I feel like we just have, but we we always feel like we have so much more in the tank. So I know those guys. Uh, you know, next time around, we're gonna be trying to uh, fight for a fight for a gold medal. So uh, you know, it's definitely everyone's everyone has has gotten faster uh, since uh, since Rio. All right, I want to get to 974, and I can hear the little ones in the back. Um, the pre front t- Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, you're a family man. This is how we live I'm, in 2021. <laughs> I'm, I know. I'm upstairs. They're downstairs. I don't, that's crazy. You I've been that. there. And I hosted a show from my basement for a year. I completely understand where you're at. Don't worry about it. I, I feel like you're unstoppable right now. And according to the GoDaddy ads, you aren't going to be – you aren't going to stop being unstoppable. But I was thinking about the lead-up to the Olympics, and, and – how many of our athletes had to get super creative just to be ready for the game? Like Damian Warner training in an old hockey rink in London to set up an Olympic record and a gold medal to folks having to live in the States and Europe just to train. How much do sponsors like GoDaddy help in making that a little easier to handle? Oh, yeah, they help me out a lot. I mean, um, first of all, I'm humbled. Um, I'm excited to be even a part of this GoDaddy campaign. This was something different for me. I felt like I broke out of my shell, uh, got to act a little bit. So it was really just fun for me to even be a part of this, uh, supporting small businesses, especially during this last year and a half where, you know, they've been struggling. You know, this is this is a hard time for them. So it was really just really, really an honor for me to be a part of that, supporting that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this campaign was just really about being unstoppable. Um, you know, I feel like that's something that I try to do every single day, uh, you know, whether we're trying to just celebrate all the hard work and resilience that they've done uh, over this past year and a half. And uh, I'm just really just proud to, to be a part of it. Uh, GoDaddy has done an amazing job of supporting me um, and, and small businesses. So, you know, it's just cool to really just uh, to be a part of this journey. <laughs> and pure go, Daddy, because you're just like those small business owners dealing with youngins while they're on the Zoom call <laughs> trying to do their business. We've all been there. <laughs> Any more acting? Like, so is there more go, Daddy commercials coming down the road, or are you just focused on dropping nine seven fours on folks <laughs> like you did at the Prefontaine? Yeah. yeah, we've got one more. We've got one more coming out uh, this fall. So uh, stay tuned. For that one, uh, I think that one you're gonna like that one, Tim. Uh, it's it's uh, it's uh, I, that's my favorite one out of out of the one that you just uh, showed just now. So uh, uh, I definitely definitely think you're gonna like that. <laughs> what are the expectations moving forward? Is is the double and gold in the double the expectations going to Paris? Yeah, um, you know Paris. Yeah, uh, Paris is definitely. I feel like I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna want to double again. Uh, it's crazy. I actually had that conversation with my coach the other day. He's like, are we going to focus on one event? <laughs> um, like, you know, everyone's just focusing on one event. There's no one else that, that that's done it. Yeah. Like you say, Boat is the only one before me. And now I feel like I'm stuck on an island by myself, you know, doing the double. Everyone else just focuses on one event. But uh, it's just what adds to my legacy. It's what uh, it's what I love to do. I love doing both events. And uh, that's something that uh, – I want to accomplish. Uh, you know, I felt like I was so close this time around. Um, 
you know, I don't like to make excuses, but yeah, you know, I felt like uh, I was super close uh, and I could have done a little bit better than a hundred that time around. But um, yeah, I mean, that's something that I'm, that I'm just trying to just gear towards. Of course, I have to just continue to just keep getting better, keep pushing myself every day in practice and uh, continue to be unstoppable. Right. So uh, that's what it's, that's what it's all about. <laughs> now you're just, you're just one half of, of the, uh, the power couple of sprinting uh, with the mother of your two children, Nia Ali. Uh, are y'all going to need daycare in Paris? Like, are you, are you both going like, what, how, how is that going to set up? Yes. Hopefully, hopefully by that time there's going to be fans that will be over this pandemic and everything. Uh, so our, Family members will be there to support and help with the kids. Nice. Uh, nice. That would be the plan. Um, but yeah, of course, you know, right now, it's 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 uh, it's tough. But uh, it's it's what makes it fun, right? Because I feel like um, you know, when you have, always have a bad day at the track and those type of things, it's always good to come home to the kids because they don't care about any of that stuff. They just want you to be. They just want to be in your face and smile in your face and uh, yeah. you know, tell it. They want to you know make something. Have them make you something to eat, right? <laughs> or something exactly. like that. So. Yeah. Like I'm hungry, but uh, yeah, still I mean, of yeah, of course. So I think that's what makes it makes it fun. Um, but yeah, we're definitely that's definitely something that myself and her were you know pushing towards Paris uh, for her. You know, this is a uh, this is going to be fun for her coming back. Uh, I think, and uh, she's uh, she's excited to get back out there on the track uh, and defend her world title next year in uh, in Oregon. All right, uh, last one. I know she got gold in Doha. Did that inspire you to need to do the same? Like, is wifey trash talking you at home that she has the gold and you don't? Does that exist? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does a little bit. Uh, you know, she gets on me. That gets on me a little bit with that. I mean, she has uh, a couple world indoor golds, and then of course she had the world outdoor outdoor gold in Doha. So. I felt like I was I was missing. I was the only one missing the gold. Um, of course, she's like, no, Pan American doesn't count. You gotta you gotta win the worlds or Olympics. Um, that's what counts. So uh, for me, that was definitely a goal of mine, and that definitely inspired and motivated me to to do it. And she's always had my back through that, and always told me like, you know, you're better than that, and uh, you know, you're gonna you know you have to continue to just really just continue to trust the process, and you're gonna get that goal one day. Uh, so she called it. She. Uh, she, I remember right after the, right after the, the hundred meter when I won the bronze, she was, uh, I was showing her a picture of it. And, uh, I was a little bit disappointed even in myself and winning the bronze. Right. And, uh, I was showing her a picture of it and she was like, well, that, that gold, that bronze is going to turn into gold in a couple of days. <laughs> so, uh, she, she called it. <laughs> the wife, the whore. There you go. Uh, listen, <laughs> I, I know we overplayed it a little bit, but it feels like we've been there from time and same with the hardcores that watch this show. And there's something really special about seeing people achieve their goals, no matter what they are. Really happy for you, my dude. And I know that I am not the only one. So thanks so much for sharing it with us today and with Canada over the last few weeks. Yeah, thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. Uh, love, love the new show, Tim and Friends. And I uh, <laughs> hope to be back on it uh, back on it again in the future. <laughs> yeah, don't be a stranger now that you're even bigger time, okay? Yeah, for sure. No problem. I got you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for doing this, Andre. Great talking with you anytime. But as an Olympic gold medalist, very cool. All right. Thanks, Tim. Love Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Andre DeGrasse. Uh, next up, Paralympics. More on that in a flash. And when we come back, Buck and Pat, Blue Jays Central, coming up next right here on Sportsnet. We'll continue on 360. Splitting friends on uh, 
Tim and friends, excuse me, on Sportsnet and Sportsnet Central because we are minutes away from Blue Jays Central. Sorry, I screwed that all up. Let me just start again. Uh, we are minutes away from splitting up on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360 because of the Blue Jays and Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet. Jays trying to bounce back from yesterday's tough loss against Cy Young candidate Lance Lynn and the first place Chicago White Sox with more in the game, a pair of professionals. Buck Martinez, Pat Tabler. Gentlemen. Well, Tim, things didn't go as planned over the weekend against the Detroit Tigers, but there was one real bright spot, and it was outstanding. That was the starting pitching, and Pat, the starters certainly held up their end of the bargain over the weekend. Yeah, and it started on Friday night with Robbie Ray, who did his best MC Hammer impression by you can't touch this. Eight innings, 11 strikeouts, probably his best outing of the season. His fastball was electric. His slider, they just couldn't do anything with that. Blue Jays ended up losing that game in 10 innings, but you can't fault Robbie Ray. He was outstanding. Then right after that on Saturday, Hunjin Ryu took the mound and he followed that up with seven glorious innings himself. No earned runs and just five hits. His changeup was back. He was spotting his fastball like he has to, but he started using that changeup and the breaking ball was very good. Jays won that game three to nothing against the Tigers. And then Steven Matz took the hill on Sunday and he was very good. Pitched well enough to win. He gave up Miggy's 500th home run, but he pitched six innings. Blue Jays lost that game in extra innings. And I think now if they're going to go on a win streak right now, they're going to have to continue to get that type of great starting pitching. When you look at this four-game series, I will argue that you will not be able to see eight starting pitchers match up as well as these eight over the next four days. When you look at Lynn, Cease, Giolito, and Keiko, and then Manoa, Barrios, Ray, and Ryu should be a nightmare for the hitters throughout these four days. I can't wait to see what these pitchers are going to do going head-to-head. Tim? You're right, Buck. That is uh, a four-day lineup of real good starting pitching, which will test two things for the Jays. One, their bullpen. And two, see if the hitters can get... Listen, they hit a couple home runs, and they've been doing it all season long, and all of a sudden, you could be back in this. Just looking at that board, it's hard to believe the Jays are where they are, given those pitchers and what how they've been able to performing. Do now? Yeah. And how wow. Barrios next year is going to be very big wasn't taken into account yep. near enough when they made the deal. All right, time for Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet. As I tried to say off the top, we'll continue in 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360 and talk to Manny Pacquiao. Is he done in the ring? We'll discuss and reflect with Ray Flores next on Tim and Friends. Right here on Sportsnet 360. Welcome back to Tim and Friends Coast to Coast Sportsnet 360 Saturday Night Vegas. 42-year-old Manny Pacquiao fought his 72nd professional bout. And after a loss by unanimous decision to Jordanes Ugas, the big question is, was it his last? He admitted afterwards his legs felt weak and it hurt him in the fight. One of the sport's best-known and most popular fighters for the last two decades, Pacquiao has a lot on his mind outside of boxing, including probably a run for president of his native Philippines in their upcoming election in May. Pacquiao didn't officially retire, but his post-fight news conference certainly sounded like a man who was about to hang him up. I've done a lot for boxing, and boxing has done a lot for me. 
I look forward to spending time with my family and thinking about my future in boxing. In my heart, I, can, I want to fight. I, can, I want to continue fight. But the thing is, uh, I have to consider also my, my, my body. I have to consider a lot of things, especially of my works uh, back to the Philippines, back to my country. There is a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that I need to accomplish and to help people. Um, that's my mission. And I want to be an inspiration uh, to all the people, especially the Filipino people, inside and outside the ring. That's my, my goal. 62-8-2 is what it stands at right now. Here to help us talk about uh, Manny Pacquiao and beyond for the boxing world, host of Premier Boxing Champions on Fox, calls play-by-play for the Trilla Flight Club, it is Ray Flores. Ray, welcome to Tim and Friends. Thanks a lot for taking the time and doing this. Guys, pleasure to join you, and what a night on Saturday night in Las Vegas. It was, and it was, I mean, obviously people were thinking that this was going to be a different fight. People were looking at a different fight. They were thinking this was going to be Earl Spence. But when all is said and done, could this be the end of Manny Pacquiao? It could be, and I believe that even if it is, what it was a fitting end because at the end of the fight, people were, you know, there was a, a sense of almost like it was a funeral-like atmosphere when the decision was announced. And that was in the arena for about five to six minutes. Then when Manny was saying his goodbyes, it became a celebration of Manny Pacquiao. It became a way of the fans to say thank you. If that was the final time he was in the ring, that we appreciated what he's been able to do over the past 25 years. And he gave a very good effort, a great effort, I would say, on Saturday night. But he just beat somebody in your Dennis Ugas, or he fought somebody in your Dennis Ugas who had and had the performance of his life because your Dennis Ugas was so locked in and the fact that Ugas was able to land 59% of his power punches, those are startling numbers. Yeah. Manny Pacquiao, on the other hand, he couldn't land clean against Ugas because Ugas' defensive brilliance was just second to none on Saturday. Yeah, just see many of those long, looping power shots Manny had absolutely no answer for. When you look back at, at Manny Pacquiao's career, where, where does he rank among the legends of the game? I think he's got to be top 10 all time because of the fact that this guy fought anybody and everybody. Manny Pacquiao has this desire to test himself against the world's best. For over 25 years, I mean, look at his resume. He fought top guy after top guy after top guy he fought forever morales marquez uh de la hoya ricky hatton antonio margarito the bigger the challenge the more manny pacquiao got up for the moment and look at i mean the fact that he was a world champion in four different decades and a champion in eight different divisions guys i i never say never but we will never see an eight division world champion in boxing again at least in my lifetime I grew up with more than a few Filipino friends, so I feel like I knew Manny early. But do you feel like all of the waiting for the Mayweather fight cost Manny's legacy a little bit with maybe the periphery fan? I don't think so because Manny Pacquiao became a global superstar based on his performances. He elevated the guys that he fought, uh, most of them, uh, with the exception of Mayweather. But most of the guys, I mean, he helped to make you know, Barrera, more of a household name, Morales, Juan Manuel Marquez. Marquez was known just to hardcore fight fans and Mexican fight fans. But when 
Pacquiao was fighting these four fights with Marquez. The common sports fan knew who Juan Manuel Marquez was. So it was just unbelievable to see what he was able to do and really elevating the name of the game and also the fact that he drew over 50,000 people at AT&T Stadium way back when when he fought Joshua Clotty. Again, elevating the sport of boxing. I think Pacquiao fought Mayweather at the right time. Could it have been earlier? Yeah, but I think Pacquiao's legacy is second to none. It's funny because I feel, I asked the question because I feel, like I said, I'm I'm an old school fan of the sweet science. It has waned a little bit, I will admit, over the last few years because I feel like I've waited for fights. I feel like I, I don't get the fight that I want and that boxing hasn't learned its lesson from things like Pacquiao Mayweather, where if you had had it earlier, maybe it would have been a different fight. Do you feel like boxing needs to learn that lesson? I think boxing is getting to the point where we're starting to see young, hungry champions understand that fight fans want to see the best fighting the best. Manny Pacquiao was emblematic of that. He fought the best of the best over 20 years. If you look at November 6th, guys, you look at Canelo Alvarez, who said, I want to unify the super middleweight division. Caleb Plant said, no problem. Let's do it. It took a little time to get the fight done, but it was only a two-month, less than a two-month delay, and we get that fight on November 6th. It seems like we're running into a situation at 147 where Terrence Crawford's going to fight Sean Porter, and then potentially, or Dennis Ugas has stated, he wants to fight Errol Spence, the winner of those two fights, can unify the division. People have seen what Manny Pacquiao was able to set forth And now younger fighters are trying to follow that same mindset because when you fight the best of the best, the public will come out and also the financial compensation will reflect that of the public's attention and demand for the fight. Without a doubt. Are we going to see that in the heavyweight division? I hope so because, listen, you got AJ and Usyk end of September. Two weeks later, you're going to get Joshua Fury number three. We sure are not Joshua Wilder Fury number three. We were hoping we were going to see Wilder Fury three back in July. Fury popped positive for COVID-19. I was in Las Vegas for the past week, guys. Just landed in L.A., and I've seen they are promoting Wilder Fury number three massively. Vegas is ready for that fight. I think the winner of those two fights head towards unification. I think we're starting to get to a point where the public is saying, listen, I'm tired of marinating. I'm tired for big fights waiting to happen. We want to see the best of the best, and the best of the best means unification fights, and we're going to get more of that as we head towards the end of this year and into 2022. Now you li- like literally just flew to L.A. Like you are at the airport in L.A., are you not? Literally, I literally, I jumped on a plane <laughs> yeah. in Vegas, landed here in LA. I haven't even gone to baggage claim yet, guys. But oh, look you at know that. what? I'm quite Hey, you get the horns for that, most definitely. So you're there to cover De La Hoya, uh, Vitor Belfort, right? Is, am, am I right? Am I right on that? Well, we have the Oscar De La Hoya public workout tomorrow mm-hmm. at five o'clock here in LA. So yeah, I'm, I'm here to watch Oscar De La Hoya work out and talk to him and interview him and you know see what the Golden Boy's thinking as we're about two weeks away from his pay-per-view matchup against Vitor Belfort. What, what is the draw for the... Le- it feels like we're going to get a few legends going back out there after what we've seen in the last what little while. Is this a romanticized view of what these guys were in the ring? Like, why do you think this is such a pull? Because these guys still have a demand for it. They still love to do it. Once a prize fighter, always a prize fighter. But the public loves nostalgia. If you look at pro wrestling, guys... People still love watching the legends go out there even one or two times a year. Or when they come back, they freak out, oh, my gosh. Even though they once what they were before, but it's still great to see that. 
And these guys, when I look at De La Hoya and Belfort, they know the physical ramifications that they're putting themselves in harm's way. But if they're willing to take that gamble and the State Athletic Commission sanctions them and they you know, go ahead and license them and say, OK, you're physically fit to be able to do it, then who am I to say, oh, don't do that. Don't do something that you have thrilled millions of fans all over the world for and have done something that only 0.1% of the population can do. Not 1%, 0.1% of the population. People of nostalgia, if these legends want to go out there and do it, then by all means, do I want to see Oscar De La Hoya in there against Canelo Alvarez? Well, not really. But, I mean, I, uh, you know, De La Hoya and Belfort, that's cool with me. Let's do it. And then Tito Ortiz, Anderson Silva that same night, too. Man, oh, man, I like it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to – and listen, your analogy to wrestling is like, – I saw the pop that CM Punk got over the weekend. All he had to do was walk in and sit down. Like, it was unbelievable. Um, all right, so I'm going to ask you a tough one before we let you go, and we appreciate you stopping before the baggage carousel <laughs> to do this. Uh, yeah. I have a love for the game, as I mentioned, and, it, and it's old school. You can tell by my hairline. Uh, oh, yeah. But I work on a national television show where I feel like sometimes when I talk about boxing, I lose folks. And we're at a point with infinite channels and podcasts where boxing exists uh, on a high level in so many places, but can't seem to get the ESPNs of the world or can't seem to get the mainstream Fox Sports Radio dudes talking enough boxing. Can it just exist where it is now? Or have promoters been shamed by the fact that legends can go out there and make money, that more people know, you know, a, a Paul Brothers name than the Hoya Inouye's name? I just think what's happening is that we're seeing these social media guys come out there and they're brilliant marketers and they're understanding that people love watching. If you go to any place around the world and you have two people fighting each other, they're going to gravitate towards that. The social media guys, you know, they've been successful in doing so. I do believe, though, that promoters are realizing we are a very critical point of our juncture as a sport that you have to be able to adapt social media wise. The antiquated days of promoting the sport of boxing are over. And if you're seeing, you know, last week, you know, we did a lot of social media stuff on YouTube. The prelims last week of, you know, Pacquiao and Ugas were shown on the PBC on Fox YouTube page. Same deal tomorrow with Triller Fight Club that they're going to show the Oscar De La Hoya workout on social media. Fans want more access. Fans want to get to know these guys more on a personal level. And the power brokers in boxing that I'm associated with, they are understanding it is very important to do so, which is why they are putting all of these events on social media and really telling the stories of the fighters better because just being able to say, hey, we got fighter A against fighter B, wants to championship of the world, that's not going to do it anymore no. when it comes to grabbing the public's attention. No, you can't go with uh, fancy hair and wave an American flag and just hope that people are going to show up. You're right. You got to get out there. You got to make sure that people know who the next ones are so they can jump on board. Just like I did because all of my Filipino friends said, look at this guy Pacquiao. And I said, holy bleep, this guy's good. Jumped <laughs> on board and, and the rest is history. Hey, really appreciate you taking the time, especially given the, the circumstances. Thanks for doing this, Ray. Guys, pleasure. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. There is uh, Ray Flores, host, premier boxing champions on Fox, calls play-by-play for the Triller Fight Club. Legend. Didn't even go to the baggage claim. Just stopped, and there you go. That's unbelievable. Your pod's in 2021 in TV, right? Yeah.
Good for him. That's awesome. <laughs> all right, time for one last break. We'll get to last call. On Monday, Tip of the Cap, we'll do it all next here on Tim and Friends Sportsnet. Pray 60. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Our Monday Tip of the Cap goes to a couple of great fan reactions from this weekend. One, the crowd at Rogers Center for giving the visiting Miguel Cabrera a curtain call after he hit his 500th career home run on Sunday and in Portland where fans paid tribute to Christine Sinclair as he checked in for the first time since winning Olympic gold for Canada. The Thorns crowd went absolutely crazy despite the fact that I don't know if you know this Portland is in the United States of America. The 1-1. Deep fly ball. Right center field. That's got carry. It's gone! Number 500 and history for Miguel Cabrera. And that is a well-deserved curtain call indeed. You don't get curtain calls on the road very often. Two important substitutions coming for Portland. The crowd has gotten a whiff of it. Crystal Dunn of the U.S. Christine Sinclair of Canada ready to check in. So awesome to see that from two column road crowds. I know it was Sinclair's pro home, but it's still the United States of America and Canada beat the U.S. to get to the gold medal game. Sinclair's had quite an emotional uh, few days. The interview with you, <laughs> yeah. uh, that with the crowd, uh, is pretty awesome. Um, you want to do last call? Let's do last call. Okay, so we've seen scoreboard marriage proposals before, but have you ever seen a scoreboard breakup? Uh, may have been a part of one. Well, it ha- well really, I'm going to need that story in a second. Uh, it happened this weekend at a minor league game between the AA Akron Rubber Ducks and the Harrisburg Senators. Mm-hmm. And it was even more awkward because the PA announcer in Akron actually announces these scoreboard messages. Check it out. Please welcome Thomas J. Bubar, who is named New York's 27th Congressional District Veteran of the Month in July. Happy birthday, Larry. Happy birthday, Tim Chucka. Alyssa, this relationship is over. From Tim. <laughs> is that the breakup you were referring now to? Now you know the story, Jesse. Yeah. Now you know the story. Pretty good. And my mistress, Alyssa, is pissed <laughs> off. Well, it's awfully close to my real wife's name. Yeah, well, what do you have to say about uh, That's that? That's amazing. You like that? <laughs> I don't know if I like, like it. But even if it's fake, who gives a bleep? Yeah, it's pretty good. I feel like it is a plant because they knew what would happen. Shows like ours would end up... Using it? Using it. But if, if it's not... By the way, brought to you by the Ohio Amish country. Alyssa, this relationship is over, Tim. <laughs> My biggest question about that whole... That's savage. That whole situation there. Real. Does the announcer have to sing that happy birthday note? Every single time they wish. No, I think that's his little his flair on things. See, that's that's how people sign up for the scoreboard messages because little Johnny over right. there gives it a little uh, 
little one-two, you know what I'm saying? All right. So I guess you don't have to give a story because you were a part of that one. That was the story. <laughs> Got it down. Right. Uh, okay, moving on. Canada has the day off at the Women's World Hockey Championship after a 5-1 win over Russia on Sunday. But there was news out of Calgary today as the IIHF is expected to announce that the Women's Worlds will be played again next summer, the first time it will be held in an Olympic year. Oh, that right. would mean that after more than two years without a major tournament, <laughs> there will be three major women's events held within one year. You think this is a good idea? So after screwing with the Women's World Championships for years, we will now attempt to profit off of the Women's World Championships a couple times. <laughs> no, I think it's a good I think it's a good idea because I think that we will get I think that each one of these tournaments will draw a little bit more interest, a little bit more interest. Obviously, the Olympics seeming uh, seem to be the, the absolute highest level of interest mm -hmm. in uh, women's hockey. So why not work off of each to help grow the women's game? Totally. After it felt like the women's game, um, and even in hockey, because the WNBA ended up playing, it feels like the women's the momentum in women's hockey was hurt the most by the pandemic. So why not, as long as they're not overdoing it, why not try and build off the momentum yeah. of the Olympics? By the way, an Olympics in Beijing, gonna be real interesting in China in what, February? Like less than six months away? Happens, life comes at sure you fast. Be, as I'm they sure there'll be too. no stories about no. that taking place. Absolutely not. No. Uh, okay, Bryson DeChambeau. How many layers of onion is, sorry, I, I shouldn't have done this. Guys, can we cut the video? Sorry. How many layers of onion is there on an Olympic Games in Beijing after this global pandemic? Like, I'm not, I'm not asking you for how many stories. Like, just like if we were peeling back the layers of the onion, like how many layers do you think that onion has? You want like an actual number? Yeah, give me a number. Like eight, I'd say. Like I'm, cl I'm closer to like 732. <laughs> Like well, a lot a of them, lot they melt, to, they blend together. Yeah, so. well, when you cut, when you yeah. slice onion that thin, it yeah. does oftentimes melt. So I understand what you're saying. Maybe the 732 end up melting. I'm to actually eight. surprised that, like, well, we haven't been. I know the Olympics just ended. I'm, I'm surprised the conversation hasn't already moved. Oh my to god! Yeah. Like, I'm, aren't you surprised that we haven't heard anything about it yet? Well, like, we it's Beijing. Right? It's six do, months. We could do it here. Yeah. We do have a show. I'm at the media at large, okay? <laughs> <All right. laughs> We're just one small spoke sorry. in the wheel. Get, get to Bryson. All right, I'm Bryson sorry. has accepted to. an invitation to compete. Ready for it? In the Professional Long Drivers Association World Championship in late September. Who saw that coming? Shambo is ranked first on the PGA Tour in driving distance, averaging just over 320 yards, his longest drive of the season, is 414. Now, the world's number one ranked long driver, Kyle Berkshire, his longest ever drive is 474. Do you like that DeChambeau's doing yes. this? Do you care? Yes, no, I'm in. I'm in. And the one thing, listen, it sounds like he's like a, a football player trying to run against sprinters, but this is different. He'll be able to use a long, he's not allowed to use the long drivers that these guys use at these long drive championships. Like they're, what, like five inches longer yeah, yeah. in the end? Better be careful here. But I like to see DeChambeau in this thing. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be good. Like we've never really seen pros do this. And that's the only thing that I enjoy watching DeChambeau do. Not press conferences, not, Take his time over 
you know, shots. Just go up there, grip and rip. So I'm, I'm down for yeah, this. Yeah, so am I. There's also, but there's, there's also no novelty to it because you, you know that he trains to hit the ball as far as he can. So I wouldn't be surprised if he won. Would you? I would be. You would be. I think he's. I wouldn't bet him. I wouldn't bet him. I would the, bet Berkshire. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't bet him to beat 474. But he'll be close. Yeah, I mean, it's give him that long driver and that. But those guys use like that whippy thing too, right? Like it's not all. I guess we've talked ourselves into watching it when it happens. Yeah. Uh, okay. The Paralympics begin tomorrow in Tokyo, and today. Canadian soccer star and United Nations Goodwill Ambassador Alfonso Davies wrote a letter of encouragement to the refugee Paralympic team. In the letter to the six-person team, Davies wrote, quote, I was born in a refugee camp. My family and I fled war. I've read your stories and learned about the journeys you have all been through. You are the most courageous sports team in the world right now, end quote. This country has produced some amazing young athletes recently, but are they even more impressive off of the field. Yeah, this is, I, I'm so glad that he did this. I'm so glad that he has the class and dignity to go out and do what he did. And it's so amazing to see uh, how far that young man has come and how far these athletes have come to represent our country. And obviously uh, it doesn't get the same sort of attention that the Olympics do, but we've seen it grow and grow and grow over the years. And uh, there are so many greats. Forget talking about the Beijing Olympics and sullying our idea of this, why don't we just talk about the Paralympics for a little while yeah. and restore our faith in humanity a little bit more. 100%. Yeah. Sinclair, Davies, DeGrasse, all doing great things for, for Canadian sport. Okay, Tony Finau, we talked about him earlier. Yeah, I said he can't win. Well, your boy Cam Smith, wasn't he your master's pick? Yeah. Just part 18, there will be a playoff oh, between Tony this. Finau and, John Rahm and gave Cam away. Smith. John oh, yeah. Rahm, he's out of it. It is Tony Finau, Cam Smith going to a playoff at the Northern Trust Open. Tony Finau, where he be now? Can he get it done? Uh, he's only got one career win, right? Like one career win. A lot of top fives. A lot. Uh, he, might, he might shut me up and we'll show it on tomorrow's <laughs> show. That's it for us. A reminder to Jays and White Sox over on Sportsnet in mere moments from now. Thanks for watching. We will talk to you again tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for watching, everybody.